yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Nice Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Alright, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast, because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So first with us today, we got Tank. Hey guys, how's everybody doing today? And also with us today, we got Cancer. What up? All right, welcome back to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Right on. Today, when we do our drinks, um, we got more of a group drink, because we recently, almost all the hosts from the show, I think pretty much everybody was there except J-Bone and Bugs, but pretty much the whole group went, and we went to uh, a new brewery that just opened up in Oak Park, Michigan, uh, Dog and Pony Show Brewing. Uh, before we get into beer, what'd you guys think? I liked it. The brewery? Yeah. Yeah, I like the brewery. They, um, I tried a couple things there, and uh, yeah, I was impressed. I think you have to factor in the <clears throat> chaos of a grand opening, you know? So oh, I, for sure. So I understand that that's how it's going to be going in, but I tried a couple different beers. I had a designated driver that day, so way more than I probably <laughs> yeah. normally should have, but I think most of them were pretty good. Uh, but today we got this, it's called Coconut Profit, which is a coconut porter, and that was basically my favorite one I drank of the day. And really it comes down to, it's an excuse for me to drink dark dark beers in the summer. Yeah, yeah hell yeah. Because I try to get away from doing that, but uh, anytime I can find an excuse to do it, I fall back to it. But uh, I tried it that day and I thought it was fucking great. What do you, uh, what do you guys think? I think that the, uh, the coconut was handled right. It's uh, uh, balanced. You know, whenever you have a, a flavored brew like that, you always hope that they are going to do a good job with the balance. And, man, they did. I mean, you could taste the porter, the coconuts there. It's slight. I don't want to dork out too much, but I liked it. Yeah, same. It's not thin and watery. A lot of the coconut ones, they tend to either, like he said, like they're not balanced. It's either more of one than the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is not thin. It's not watery. It's It's got a good flavor. It's good. If you like Almond Joys... You know, or Samoas, if you're a fan of anything like that, it kind of gives you that kind of a vibe, but you still get the the porter taste to it, so it's yeah. not like you're drinking a piece of candy. Yeah, no, no, it's not it's not over, overly sweet in any way either. You said Samoas, I feel shame, but I mean, uh, Aldi's has their Samoas <laughs> at like half price or whatever. So you said that, like, if you like Samoas, and I was like, yeah, because I ate a half a box like three days ago from Aldi's. So <laughs> check. So, that's funny. <laughs> Southern Tier also makes a uh, a Samoan uh, stout. That's okay. Really, if you ever end up seeing it, grab no it. No shit, a Samoan. Yeah. All right, man. Southern Tier. They, this, they make really good shit, too. This was my first coconut brew, and uh, I'm, <clears throat> I'm pumped up to try another one, man. I'm, I'm digging it. So Dog and Pony Show Brewing in Oak Park, Michigan. So we, I know we have a decent listener base in Michigan. You guys like beers. Go check it out. Support a local business. What's cool about their establishment in they allow you to bring your own food in. So whatever you want to eat, you could just bring into their brewery and then grab one of their tasty brews and, you know, pair it with your food or whatnot. So, I mean, whether you want to grab a pizza from around the street or around the street, you want to grab pizza from around the corner or Chinese food or whatever, 
and they just let you bring it there and that's a pretty cool concept that's the second one i've been to like that and that's one of my favorite concepts in breweries or if you do find a pizza in the street you could bring that in too <laughs> i wouldn't recommend it but well, i mean yeah. you can it's your call <laughs> i mean i mean who am i to judge what the fuck you eat you know what i mean like it like made me think of like that david hasselhoff or like mel gibson it was like they're like it wasn't oh no it was hasselhoff right he's like laying on the floor like the eating cheese. a burger yeah yeah you're like sir uh street people pizza. are complaining if you take that squirrel back outside please sorry i was a dog and pony <laughs> and i drank too much and i wanted a street pizza well, and they, it looks like they're doing work with a bunch of partnering with a bunch of food trucks. Yeah, that's always cool too. The other day they had a, a pasty truck over okay. there. I mean, man, dude, what's more Michigan to go to fucking get some pasties and drink a fucking dark beer in the summer? I can't yeah. do pasties, man. I remember I'm you fr- saying that. They taste like fucking sand. As soon as I said it, I remember we had this conversation before, <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like I should just move on because uh, I love pasties, but it's not like. I can, I can talk you I can't into argue, it. Yeah, but, yeah, no. but on top of that, I can't argue with that uh, assessment of how it tastes. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, if they mess it up, it will taste like sand. And <laughs> and I've had them plenty of times. It tastes like sand. So, but I still love them shits. And, <laughs> uh, oh man, I'm gonna dork it out on the pasties, not the beer, but the pasties. I don't like pasties. The food. I don't like pasties on tits and strip clubs. Ah. I just do not like pasties. Which one do you like less? Uh, the ones at strip clubs. Well, no, actually, I know what a nipple looks like, so I guess it doesn't really fucking matter. Right, I'd rather have <laughs> So, today, in addition to the brews, I wanted to cover We Got Cancer on. And, you know, we always talk about he does our song and he lets us use his music in the mid-roll. <clears throat> uh, but you got a new song out. Yeah. Uh, it's a family-friendly joint called Cocaine Jaw. <laughs> For the kids. Yeah. It's for the children. Well, I think it's in fitting with the most of the titles of your songs and your you can't have Kings of Cannibals, Blood, yeah. and then Puppies. Yeah, I try you to know, it has to be like cocaine. Generally I, I try to name the songs something like Blood obviously is not, but I try to name the song something that when you Google it, my shit's the only thing that comes up. I mean not that cocaine jaw fits that description, but yeah, it's just some 90s throwback shit, like Mob Deep, Raekwon, you know what I'm saying, like that that type of joint. Try to keep it a little up-tempo this time, and I brought A-minus in with me, uh, DJ Bet, and uh, just uh, doing our thing. Had a really fun time putting the video together, putting the song together. Now, you can follow Cancer on Instagram at Cancer the God. It's Cancer the E is a 3, so you can find yeah. it. And you got some little snippets of it on there. But it's on, is it on like YouTube? Yeah, spot, YouTube, Spotify. Uh, Apple, TikTok, all that bullshit. And I, I bought it on Bandcamp, and you guys can go buy it on camp, Bandcamp. Yeah. Them a couple bucks on the song. It's a good song. It's worth I'm it. I'm mad at it. Right? <laughs> you got an extra dollar laying around. You want to <laughs> donate to my cocaine jaw. That's uh, that's how you can do it. Well, look, it's 2021. What the fuck else can you buy for a dollar? Like just right, yeah. Contribute it to uh, contribute to my habits. Uh, but it's funny. It's like it's not really about cocaine it's just mostly talking shit but i'll use that money appropriately i use it at the strip club not not with pasties yeah 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 yeah. fuck the pasties no 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 i'm not gonna be eating one or (laughs) sucking on one not gonna happen so just know your dollar will go to use good use it will not go to gritty pasties it will not go to nipple covers no no spend your money wisely i'll do it right it will end up in a butt crack all right well we'll go ahead and get started and the bad guy we're covering today is abner zwillman this ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. It's our first Abner's. Is it the first Abner? I'd remember that. I'm here 
for the nicknames. You know I'm here for the nicknames. Yes. So, so we got uh, Abner's Willman, a.k.a. Longy. Longy? Longy. Poor name. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay. Well, if my last name was Zwillman, I might go with Longy. We'll explain. Uh, we'll get to it. It's a decent explanation. So of, of all the nicknames, there's there's a solid reasoning. And for the record, he mostly goes by Longy's Willman. So that's what I'll probably end up calling him most of the time because that's Got what it. he's known as. But, you know, I always like I like to lead with the formal name. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so it's Abner Longy's Willman. He's got another nickname we'll throw in later, but that was more of a, like a sometimes used title as opposed to a nickname. So I'm not going to put that up front. It might spoil the story a little bit. Got it. So Longy's Willman was born July 27, 1904 in Newark, New Jersey. He was one of seven children from a Jewish, ho- Jewish household to parents who had immigrated from Russia. His father died in 1918, and he dropped out of school to help support his family, which that would have made him 14. That's very 1918 Mm -hmm. shit to do. His first job was at a cafe ran by a neighborhood alderman, but it just wasn't enough money. So it was a decent job, and it was for like a local politician, so it was kind of a great gig. But he needed money, and he he was like the new man of the house, so it wasn't enough. So he quit working at the cafe, and... Got him a plug on fruit and rented a push cart to start selling uh, fruit in Newark with a push cart. Okay. So it's a big thing like back in the East Coast. Well, pretty much anywhere, probably in the country at that time. But most vendors couldn't afford a storefront. So you're just kind of push cart vendors. Okay. Makes sense. There's something too right off the bat at 14 years old. He said, well, I have a job with a politician. That's a decent gig. But I think I can make more money if I'm running my own push cart and started selling my own fruit out of it. Hmm. It's a fairly entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to gamble on yourself sometimes, so it is admirable, you know what I'm saying? Especially when you're a 14, you know, 14-year-old kid dropped out of school to raise your family. It's a fairly mature decision. Or is it admirable? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. Fuck me. I know. no, I'm a dad, man. That's a solid joke. <laughs> I need to get a rim shot sound in there. <laughs> hey, it's let- not a rim job sound. <laughs> I don't want that. So he started his little push cart business, but unable to compete with the lower prices of the more established vendors, he began taking his cart up to the wealthier Clinton Hill neighborhood where the upper class people worked because they had more money and were willing to pay more for the convenience of having a push cart market in the neighborhood as opposed to having to go to the market. It was the only way he was basically able to compete because he couldn't bring in enough product. He wasn't buying enough to sell it cheap enough to make a profit. So he opted to push his fucking cart all the way up to the rich neighborhood where the only people could afford to pay his prices. Yeah, very smart. So he did this for a while and he was at least making enough to kind of cover what he needed. And eventually to supplement his income from fruit sales, he began selling lottery tickets to rich housewives. And then eventually he was making more from the lottery tickets than the fruit. And then eventually he just got to a point where he just quit selling fruit altogether and was just kind of running numbers, lottery scams through the rich neighborhoods of Newark. This lottery cart's a lot lighter than the fruit cart. (laughs) (laughs) You almost don't even need a cart, man. It's it's wild. It's wild. It's a pocket full of papers. One thing I will say that this podcast has taught me, and I've, known a fairly decent amount about you know the criminal world and different kind of rackets and schemes and stuff like that turns out that numbers game is no fucking joke man yeah yeah it certainly seems that way it's it's amazing man like the amount and and there's no 
There's no demographic. There's no gender. There's nothing on the lottery, dude. When you, if, I mean, just hang out in a in a, in a store for a couple hours. <laughs> like, oh yeah, just go hang out in a store for a couple hours. I, anyway, they or used go to, to work. I had a friend. I had a friend who worked in a in a convenience store, and I'd go there. We'd hang out, you know, twenty thirty minutes at a time talking, and just the amount of people that would come in to buy lottery, man. Yeah. Like I said, it's. All walks, all ages, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Dudes, ladies, yeah, yep, old people, young, young people, yeah, every race. Everything. Everybody's got to play their numbers. Yep. Until the day they forget, and then that's the day they win. <laughs> right. <laughs> so eventually it gets to a point where he's selling, uh, he's selling so many tickets through these lottery tickets that he stops kind of going out to provide them. He starts providing them through like, like local merchants. So kind of what you were saying, but before that was a thing, because you used to do buy your numbers through like your local runner, but huh. he, he started selling them as lottery tickets through just merchants and different people. So instead of him having to go stand out there and sell them, he just pass them off to every different person that was selling stuff and, and move them through him. Okay. Eventually, while still a kid, he was making enough money that he was able to protect his rackets and his territory enough to take over most of the third ward numbers game, primarily through hired muscle. So he couldn't really do it because he was a little kid, but he was making enough money that he could hire real gangsters to go beat people up and rough them up and protect his neighborhood. Mm. So at 15 years old, he's now running the new work numbers game. Yeah, that's crazy. You're like a grown man merchant. And this teenager comes walking up to your shop like, hey, you want to sell these lottery tickets for me? Like, there's like two dudes behind them. They're like, (laughs) they're like goons and shit. Like, Like, it's really a suggestion. What the fuck else choice do I got? You know? Sure, child. I guess I would love to sell these fucking lottery tickets for you. Be like if a girl was uh, selling Girl Scout cookies and she brought some enforcers with her. With her two six foot four. uh, Like, that was 17 boxes of tagalongs, right? Yeah, I guess whatever you say. So even though he basically worked through higher muscle, uh, Longy was tall for his age. He he grew to be six foot two. He was a capable street fighter, so he's a tough kid. And he wasn't six two as a teenager, but he shot up, so he was significantly taller than all the kids his size. And the average height or his a, age. And the average height was a lot shorter than that at that time, wasn't it? Around yeah, significantly. Yeah, from what I hear, yeah. Well, I mean, back then, you know, six two. If you're six two, two hundred pounds, you could play fucking. Yeah. Like left Defensive guard line. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah. were a fucking a fucking horse. <laughs> I mean, we talk about all the time. Al Capone was a big guy. He was, you know, five, 10, 200 pounds. Yeah. I mean, that's not small, but that's not a big guy by any right means now. now. So, I mean, now that's we got guys that are five, 10, 200 that run four, three forties. Yeah. hundred percent. But yeah. So six, two is big now. Six, two was much bigger then. Yeah. But he was always tall, even as a child. And he was, uh, like I said, he was a good street fighter, and he's always proud of his Jewish heritage, and he took pride in protecting his neighborhood. Now, he started a gang of Jewish street kids named the Happy Ramblers. All right. Which, that sounds like something that would be in a musical that you would laugh at and say, come on, that's not going to be believable. What gang would be the Happy Ramblers? Or a barbershop quartet, maybe? <laughs> I mean, yeah. and that's that's one of those those words that sound silly now. But like a Rambler back then was probably like, you know, like a rough dude, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, you know, like the, like the song, like, rambling man, rambling, gambling man, like somebody who like roams, he's he's not held down, you know, he he goes from place to place. Like, that's what I think, like. At least in my brain, at that era of time, like what a rambler was, you know, like somebody who didn't live to like the rules of society or something, maybe. 
We've definitely gotten away from rambling. It yeah. used to be a much bigger deal back in the day. But oh, also, I, I ramble. It's just I fucking I ramble with my. I ramble speech. on. They uh. It also sounds like it would have been. It would have looked really good on the side of his fruit cart. Happy Ramblers fruit cart. Oh yeah. Well, and we see he he seems to be fairly entrepreneurial, right? Yeah. So maybe he was just a good marketer. Like we're yeah. gonna call it like the fucking the, snakes or the something like the mean pricks. Yeah. George, who wants to buy fruit from that? Georgie, here comes the happy rambler again up the hill. Sorry, that was my New Jersey accent. Sorry, Nana. <laughs> so the happy ramblers, they're they would they were kind of known to protect the neighborhood, and there was a lot of Jewish cart peddlers, and they called them like the long beards. So a lot of the Orthodox guys, you know, okay. or the Hasidic Jews. And what would happen is like Irish and Polish kids would come over from the different neighborhoods and fuck with these Jewish cart peddlers and they would uh well I mean we talked about the purple gang used to do it to their own people and stuff but you know they'll flip their carts they'll extort them they'll rob yeah, them yeah. they'll beat them up they'll do whatever and Longy's Willman and his gang was known for beating up the kids that would try and do that in the Jewish neighborhood and he became real respected for it and this is still he's a teenager at the time and when kids from different neighborhoods would start terrorizing Jewish merchants they would start yelling through the neighborhood in Yiddish they would say call the tall one and they would uh, literally just start yelling through the streets until it would get back to wherever the fuck they were hanging out wow and they would just come run from wherever they're doing and you know come fuck these dudes up crazy and shit. i always wondered about that you know because i heard that that was a way to communicate back in the day and stuff and but like how do they know where to go at that point like what if they were like around a couple corners or some shit and they're like call the tall one call the tall one call the tall one and then like well, how do they know where the fuck to go he's like Around that corner down Main Street, turn left on 34th Street. Like, I don't know. Like, how the hell did they know where to go after that? But They spent a lot of time just jogging around the neighborhood in general. They're out there. They're, and they're, they're also pointing out the windows after they yell, like, call the tall one. And they're, like, hanging out the window pointing. I see kids with tin cans and strings attached. <laughs> like, I guess at this shit. point, it's whatever we can uh, conjure up in our imagination, right? Fuck it. So, in Yiddish... Tall one kind of vaguely translates to long one, and that's how he ended up getting the nickname of Longy because it kind of translated from tall one was is like long one, which kind of sounds like Longy, and eventually just his friends and everybody from the neighborhood called him Longy. Just like most words we use in America, a bastardized version of something that was foreign. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so now your nickname is Longy, and it's like a six degrees of that nickname basically because you're tall and they're yiddish interesting that's awesome though man he was like the cart enforcer too i mean damn straight he should be he started off pushing carts was like you're fucking with my car you're fucking with longy by 1920 he controlled all of the newark numbers racket in the third war so for the record that would make him 16 damn when he's 16, Prohibition starts, and, you know, he's this big-time gangster because he's running the numbers game in Newark and shit. I'm surprised he's not already married with, like, five kids <laughs> at this right? point. Yeah, he seems pretty old amongst yeah. his, his years and shit. Yeah, very much so. Now, he started a business. He's fucking he's protecting the neighborhood. He's business at 16, and, like, each one is getting better than the last. So when Prohibition started, he invested in a couple of World War One armored vehicles. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, Longy. I see. I see you. I see you, Longy. Genius, man. I see you, bro. Okay, they gotta have a couple of these big ass old armored trucks laying around, right? Yeah, probably pretty cheap too. I'll give me two. They fell off a truck. Oh, a lot bigger truck. <laughs> he started using his military armored vehicles to smuggle liquor <laughs> into New Jersey from Canada. 
And oh, man. He started bringing it in in mass. He was an early adapter to it. So as soon as Prohibition <laughs> hit, he was like, well, I'm going to grab me a couple trucks and Canada's right there. So I'm just shoot over and keep grabbing these. And yeah. he's how old? Uh, 16. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> I'm I'm imagining like he's like, not only did he get the trucks, but he got like military uniforms too. So he's like, they taking it over the border and they're fucking confusing the guards at the border and shit. I mean, I don't know how strict the borders were back then, but I mean, I gotta imagine they were at least patrolled. But anyways, in my brain, old Longy and his boys are dressing up like soldiers, like just a delivery of ammunition or something. You know what I mean? That's that's pretty fucking genius, man. Like, oh, you know these guys got us out working late. Yep. Silly American government. I just picture myself at 16 with my finger up my nose, like <laughs> yeah, like complaining that I have to cut the fucking grass. You know what I mean? Like this kid's Jesus, man. You did back inv- in my day. <laughs> yeah. You didn't invest in any fucking armored vehicles no, or nothing? No, you know, I, it, for some reason, the thought just never occurred to me. You didn't have at least half the ward behind you ready to call you whenever there was a problem? I mean, what the fuck, man? I mean, I didn't even skip the pickle cart step. I just <laughs> didn't go straight to the artillery. You know, I, was like, I missed it all. Eventually, he's making so much money from his bootlegging operation, he built a fruit and produce empire to work <laughs> as a front for his bootlegging empire so instead of doing a push cart he just bought like a bunch of warehouses and fruit stores and was like yeah no i'm running a big fruit business wow that uh we get some yeah those are army trucks don't worry about it it's cool they got heavy duty axles they were we we bought them because it was cheap transportation he continued to just keep taking his profits moving them back into his business and then he eventually grew into gambling labor racketeering and then he bought like legitimate business like like, uh, hotels restaurants stuff like that (laughs) Nice. What are you talking about? This kid is wow. Well, yeah, but he's he's tall, so it's oh, cool. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah, like yeah. he's older. You know what I mean? You don't even realize that he's. Uh, oh, yeah, people think I'm a kid just because I'm shorter than them. You're you're right though. That was probably a time where you could lie your ass off about how old you were. You know what I mean? Yeah, you wouldn't have to like stack four kids on top of each other to sneak into the movies. <laughs> no, he, he could no do it all by himself. <laughs> he did it all by himself. He's super charismatic, he was likable, and he was real successful. Like, he's just this young fucking kid that's killing this fucking, you know what I mean, this prohibition game, fucking, like, he was a gangster on accident before you knew being a gangster was a thing. Yeah. He was a state lottery before he knew state lottery was a thing. He was known to be good at violence, but preferred to not do it. So he <laughs> always he always tried to find like a business option out of anything. Like he okay. would he'd rather spend a little extra money to still make a profit and not fight than just fight over everything. So he's like, Smart. well, I don't know. How about we just split it a little extra then? You know I what I mean? Pull out your toenails, but how about yeah, we, we'll just go sixty forty. You're, uh, yeah. you, you know, you sixty forty me, and you keep the toenails, and fuck it. I'll like, take one, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna take more than one. And this reputation made him real popular with other like underworld criminal figures who were looking, especially to try and get some of his beer because he had alcohol coming in early. Uh, so he became business associates and later close friends with other up and coming mobsters like uh, Meyer Lansky, Lucky Luciano, Frank Castello, Joe Adonis. Now, those guys were also, even though they were older than him, they were still the young hotshot gangsters in New York at the time. Okay. And they're just kind of like, dude, you hear about this dude over in New Jersey? He's got fucking truckloads of fucking liquor. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, they're fighting over, like, Brooklyn docks to even try and be able to ship stuff in. And this guy's just driving it in by the truckload, you know? And a lot of the old school Italian dudes in New York didn't like working with the Jewish guys and stuff like that. So this whole crew of younger dudes, like, you know, Lansky and Luciano, who were all were early on kind of blending, you know, Jewish and Italian gangsters, they were like, 
that was right up their alley. Oh, oh a, yeah. a Jewish teenager with a good deal on shit. Like let's let's roll with this guy. Yeah. You know? So at first they were like, yeah, we'll do business with you. And eventually, like wow, they're like wow, this guy's cool as fuck. And he kind of became close with them as they all worked their way up in their different neighborhoods hmm. as like this younger generation of gangsters that's kind of coming up through the ranks. That's interesting. In that um, field, I guess you could say, of, of being a gangster, of being in the mafia, like everybody's always, there's always a power vacuum. There's always a, the dogs at the bottom are trying to bite the dogs at the top. So you got this guy, he's already got a whole corner locked down. He doesn't even want to do that kind of shit. He has no, I mean, I'm not saying I know all of his intentions, but it doesn't sound like he has any intentions to try to force and just like what you said he's not trying to force anybody out he's not trying to throw his weight around that's like a blueprint in my opinion of how it should be <laughs> you know what i mean he seems like a guy that just sees opportunity where other people don't and has the sense he's always seems pretty entrepreneurial at some point you look at it there's a value in talking over fighting you know mm -hmm. you're fighting for more money well guess what costs a lot of money fighting yeah that's expensive 100 percent but like I said, he didn't shy away from violence if necessary. On March 8th, 1927, he was arrested and charged with assault and battery and beat the case. But then he was charged with assault and battery again in 1929. This time he was found guilty and sentenced to six months in prison. It would actually end up being the only prison time he ever did and the only crime he was ever convicted of. Hmm. Accounts said he did really easy time. He had access to a phone in his cell, 24-hour visitation rights, and he brought in his own food from outside the prison. Oh, okay. So he knew how to pay off the cops, too. I mean, because that's, I mean, I'm assuming, just like yeah, nowadays, that's not like a, there's fucking like a checklist they give you when you go into fucking prison. Uh, are you going to have the 24-hour phone? Uh, how about the outside food menu? Like, uh, what the fuck? Turn down services at 9 a.m. You ain't kidding, man. This uh, motherfucker was white. breakfast buffet. <laughs> uh, you get your complimentary hand job at noon. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I don't, I, something tells me the other prisoners weren't getting the same treatment. I could be wrong. Right. I heard New Jersey uh, 1920s prisons were real cushy. Yeah, I yeah. Think that's what they're known <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah. Uh, really like, good at squash or that, and shuffleboard. He's like, boss, what does this guy get all? He's like, look, all right, I started off with nothing. I had a fruit cart. One day, somebody came and flipped my fruit cart before it could hit the <laughs> ground. Longy. Out of nowhere, save my fruit cart. I owe him one, okay? I owe him one, man. Give him his telephone. <laughs> Take him this loaf of bread. So is that long he was known to openly give cash gifts to guards and on release he oh, gave shocker. he gave a prison official a car. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like this dude. There we go. You bring you know what? You you always bring me on for the guys that are so conflicted. Like, I haven't heard anything yet, I don't think. <laughs> Nothing put up any red flags that I that I can't like this guy yet. Right. I'm sure they're coming. But he's just out here buying people cars and shit. Yeah. Like, hey, you know what? Look, it wasn't my best six months, but it wasn't my worst. Here's a car. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate your work, kid. <laughs> Thanks Look, for not stabbing me in the shower. Do I want to be uh, a number five on the Say Hello to the Bi Bad Guy podcast in the future? No, I want them to have to create number six just for me. <laughs> I mean, really, man. This guy, this kid, he's got moxie. <laughs> so after his release, he resumed his criminal activities and he began focusing more of his money on paying off police and political figures in advance. All right. Good, uh, good use of money. He's like, I'm not doing another six months. It, that was almost disappointing. Like, but again, I, like, I was almost that, inconvenienced for a second. But that's that vision that he has. He's like, okay, so how do I prevent this from happening again? 
which it seems like everything in his life is like, okay, yeah. this this isn't going to work. So how do I make it work? Yeah. It's really uh, th- that type of thinking is very uh, – it's interesting. It's just yeah. able, to, able to do that, traverse all these little uh, hills and valleys and shit to make things happen. Right. Like I had my first hiccup ever. How can we provide this again? Yeah. Like what do we, well, look, cause I threw money at it anyways. I'd rather throw money at it in advance. I gave this dude a car and it helped. So right. <laughs> maybe I give this guy two cars. Holy shit. That worked. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yes. Eventually due to his payoffs, he, be, he got so much political sway in not just the Newark area, but eventually the whole state of New Jersey that he would receive favors from candidates on both parties. Because nobody wanted him to pick against them in election. They're like, okay, even if I'm not his guy, I don't want him to say, wow. don't vote for me. So, all right, yeah, what do you need, Longy? I, I got you. Like, wow. Jeez. At one point, he was said to have everyone from the cop on the local beat to the governor on his payroll. Wow. No surprise there. Longy must have had some, we were talking about this earlier, like the energy somebody puts off. Man, he must have had some energy about him, man. Because, <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's definitely one of those guys that seems like he sleeps with one eye open. Um, <clears throat> so, he became known as the Al Capone of New Jersey and was granted a seat on the National Crime Syndicate Commission. So, in, <laughs> what? in the early 30s, Lucky Luciano ends up taking out the old mustache Pete's. Oh, got you. Yeah, okay. And he ends up taking over the whole shit and rearranging it as the five families, and he works with other yeah. Jewish gangsters, and he says, look, instead of fighting each other all the time, we want to just put together this big, you know, national syndicate. Hey, Longy, you were always cool. You know, you want to rep the third world or See whatever the on the commission? And he was like, well, yeah. I mean, they are calling me the Al Capone in New Jersey. I feel like I should get a seat at that table. In 1931, he would still be... 27 years old wow so i mean now he's not a little kid no more but he's still he's not a little kid he's still kind of see i picture myself at 27 with my finger up my nose uh pissed because i have to cut the grass (laughs) (laughs) by the time prohibition was over I seen like reputable sources that estimate that Longy's Willman brought in as much as forty percent of all imported liquor into America through prohibition. Jeez. Wow. Another thing was uh he made a ton of money, but he always paid out a bunch of money in uh you know, business expenses. He ran a solid business. They said he typically brought in about two million a year take home, which equates to about thirty two million a year nowadays. So he was making good money. Yeah. Yeah, you ain't kidding. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute. Fake fathers, disorder. 
survival with rivals with throat punches. We're back. So we got these drinks that my wife made. Now, we had talked about... Oh, hold on one second. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I see where this is going. So last time, we tried this uh, Spalding by Ann Arbor's Distilling Company, which is a coffee liqueur that's like locally sourced with all local ingredients and stuff like that. And it was you two that had it. And it was pretty good. You know, it's like a good liqueur. Oh, yeah. But looking it up, it said that... It makes the world's best white Russian. Yeah. And I never really had a white Russian, but I always wanted one. And I like the Spalding a lot. And my wife can make good drinks. Since we did that, this was the first guy that we covered that was Russian. So I was just looking for an excuse, even though he's a Jewish immigrant of Russian descent that Ah, happened to be from New Jersey. It said Russia in there, and that was good enough because I've been trying to drink this white Russian for a long fucking time and shit. So I can't. Those stories are hard to research, and I ain't got time. So I got this uh, the Spalding's uh, white Russian. Oh, you guys have a drink, I cannot wait. Think? Yeah, that's a good white Russian. <laughs> that Spalding's. As soon as I had that, I was like, yeah, that's. Um, I still I've yet to go up there. Yeah, it's pretty good. Wow, 
I never had a white Russian before. Really? Yeah. What do you think? I definitely abide, man. That is fucking delicious. Yeah, white white Russians are good. So they're usually made with what? Kahlua? Kahlua and uh, I don't know. I just drink them. I I don't even (laughs) seriously. I had somebody make me one once, and I was like, oh shit, this is great. I hate to bring up Lebowski again on the podcast, but uh, yeah, well, no, it's Kahlua. If, if that's what we do, then yeah, Kahlua cream. I think is it Kahlua is and Bailey's. His. Kahlua Ka- and Bailey's and vodka. Yeah, I want to. Oh damn it! Well, all right, maybe we should scratch that because I guess I didn't fucking watch enough for that. But I definitely do remember <laughs> him going to the store buying half and half specifically for white Russians. But maybe that was his style. But I know definitely Kahlua. He had cream in it. Yeah. Um, Cream, Kahlua, and I think maybe another liquor. I don't know. I should have looked that up. Buy the Spaldings. Google like, it. It's on the fucking well, website. Like the Spalding, whatever it says that is in the I Spalding. do that a lot, though. Like, if uh, you know, like, um, there's albums of bands that I just listen to front to back, and I, I don't know the names of songs, but if somebody tried to quiz me, they're like, oh, okay, we'll name a song. I'm like, I, I fucking can't. Just turn it on and listen to the whole thing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I don't know. And so it's not because like, you so, haven't listened to it. Right, like, no, yeah. I mean, like, I can play, you know, I can tell you everything about it, in, you know, internally. But, yeah, like these, I I ordered a white Russian once. I'm like, yeah, this is the shit. Well, I might drink one again sometime. I probably yeah. couldn't drink a bunch of them because I think the cream is a little bit, yeah. you know, yeah. thick with the drink. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I can drink one with my beers. But as soon as you mentioned it when I had the Spaldings the first time, I was like, yeah, yeah, I gotta try that. Because the Spaldings is great. So when we left off... Uh, Longy's Willman had took over a major chunk of the New Jersey criminal enterprises and secured him a seat on the commission of the National Crime Syndicate. And he was said to be bringing in at least $2 million a year. He began to live kind of like a glamorous uh, gangster lifestyle. He dated a blonde bombshell actress named Jean Harlow. Oh, shit. I'm aware. With him and Jean Harlow dated, he like showered her with gifts like fancy jewelry and huge diamonds. She bought him a... Uh, he bought her a red Cadillac and shit. So he was at, he was like 17 at this time, right? <laughs> <laughs> shit, honestly, though, we still are, would only be at, in 1930, he would still be 26. Wow, yeah. 26, 27, so about the same age, you yeah. know? But yeah, so, you know, he's madly in love with her. They, they ended up breaking up eventually. He got caught talking, I guess he would, like, call her bad name. Like, he was rude to her around his friends. But he fucking... He helped secure her a two-picture starring deal with Columbia Pictures after giving a large cash loan to studio head Harry Cohn. Jesus, yeah. Okay. So she was already a movie star and shit, but that gave her uh, Columbia record or Columbia Pictures. Big studio. Big studio. So it kind of kind of was able to take her to the next level. And Jean Harlow's career uh, took off. She's like a big actress of the early, you know, black and white movie era. Hundred percent. So even though he had his high-profile relationship with Gene Harlow, but he also had like the reputation of the Al Capone in New Jersey, and he didn't like being compared as a gangster. He was a light guy in his neighborhood, but outside of that, a lot of people looked at him as just a he's a killer, he's a gangster, thug. you know, a thug. And he tried hard to beat that image, so he would donate tons of money into the community to try and uh, legitimize his image. He offered a large reward for the return of the Lindbergh baby in 19, 1932. And then he donated a quarter million dollars to the Newark slum cleaning project, like to renew the neighborhoods. Okay. I mean, kind of like he always did. Like he just kind of threw money at problems. Mm-hmm. Well, they want to arrest me. Like, let's buy the politicians. Like, yeah, well, yeah. they say you're a gangster. Like, well, let's clean let's up show your neighborhood. Them. Yeah. Buy some crutches for some kids. 
After Prohibition ended, Willman began focusing on gambling and labor racketeering. After the death of Dutch Schultz in 1935, Willman absorbed all of his rackets and made him the undisputed boss of the state of New Jersey. Not bad. In 1939, he married a lady named Mary DeGroote Mendel Steinbach. I actually you know I want, yeah, you know I want you to repeat it, but I'm not going to ask. Because <laughs> I was so proud of myself that I got it out there once. Why fuck that up? Why even take another show? Her grandfather had founded the New York Stock Exchange. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. So of she course. was of money. When, yeah, maybe a little bit. And, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's not central bank rich. But when I think of some something like that, I think of somebody who's like central bank. Like that's like to me, like that's like Rockefeller and Carnegie and yeah, big money. Yeah, money. yeah, that's good. Wilman married her in '39. They would eventually have a daughter. She had a son from a I don't think a former marriage. She had a son. He adopted as a stepson. So hmm. they had like a little happy family, little rich yeah. happy family. Right on. In the late 30s and early 40s, there was a rise of the German-American Bund Federation, which uh, was trying to grow the Nazi Party internationally. So mm. it's Bund, B-U-N-D. Sometimes okay. it'll also say German-American Federation. Okay. But it's actually called a German-American Bund, because that's like the German term for okay. Federation. Uh, but it was a big thing in like the late 30s. So it was not technically illegal at the time because America hadn't entered the war yeah so we weren't at war with germany if that makes sense i think there was even one in michigan i might be incorrect but i think i remember reading something about one of those being held here yeah i mean they had them all over yeah yeah it was a it was a growing you know it was a a movement before (laughs) yeah just like you said before we entered the war we had a weird dynamic with that whole situation over there well because they were former allies maybe i don't know it was just a weird situation really yeah I mean, with everybody, with everything, uh, Saddam Hussein had the key to the city, Detroit. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's like, mm. can we get that back? Uh, <laughs> we gave you the wrong key. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, at one point, they started to grow like a stronghold in New Jersey. And by now, New Jersey, like the whole state of New Jersey, so Sussex County, all of it was his ship. So whenever he'd get word of... Uh, german-american meetings and shit he would put together gangs of mobsters and then local jewish boxers and dock workers and stuff so he just wherever he could find tough jewish people he'd be like hey you want to go beat up nazis oh yeah (laughs) 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 and uh he always would find a whole bunch of dudes and i like that because everything else he did with mobsters and this he's like well it was it was mobsters but it was like yeah you know boxers or dock workers just whoever in the neighborhood really wanted to go yeah, I'm sure everybody someone. wanted to yeah join in on that, and that's not one of those instances where he's like, well, you know, let's find a uh, a money way to get out. We're like, no, 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 violence is the option on this one. Well, so what he used to do is he put together these mobs, and then they go to the meetings and they throw stink bombs and smoke bombs into the meeting <laughs> to get everybody out. <laughs> yeah, and when they came out of the building, they beat the shit out of them in the streets. Oh, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> For a second, Pick there, them I was off like, one oh. by one, bing. <laughs> Wait, somebody needs to teach these dudes how to kick some ass or something but okay i, I got it that was just the bait yeah yeah they flush just, them out yeah flush mm-hmm. them out it was uh the old george w where to smoke them out smoke them out through the 40s willman would continue to grow his gambling empire uh he had the help of a longtime associate named willie moretti they both hang out with a bunch of celebrities now willie moretti would go on to be like an underboss of the genovese family mm-hmm. but at this point he was kind of like willman's muscle ah okay and they were like a kind of a partner group. And like Zwillman was good friends with Joe DiMaggio. Uh, Moretti 
had Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, Frank Sinatra, and Milton Berle perform at his daughter's wedding reception. Okay. Jesus. So they were like hobnobbing with like the big time dudes. In 1949, Longies Willman offered gubernatorial candidate Elber Ween a $300,000 campaign contribution if he would let Zwillman select the New Jersey Attorney General. <laughs> okay. <laughs> said, fuck it, let's just, just cut it off at the head. Yeah. Let's nip this in the bud. Let me get the AG on me, on my side. Look, we've been dicking around with this bribing stuff for a long time. Let's get to brass tacks here. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. If I help you win, can I pick the Attorney General? Look, you've got all those other positions that you get to pick. I just want the Attorney General. Ween, who was the favorite, refused and ended up losing the election. Oh, that's a shocker. Like, well, then you don't get to be governor. Yeah. How about that? I don't get to pick the fucking attorney general. You don't get to be the governor. They got to those Dominion machines is what it was. (laughs) (laughs) And they fucking whipped some shit up on them. Don't get me started on the Dominion I know. I'm sorry. I (laughs) I was going to. And I really hate to make that joke, but I had to, man. Well, it's great because there's not a room full of people to respond to it. (laughs) They can can yell at their fucking headphones. Well, they don't know you. They'd be like, just just Trumper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, Mr. Trumper. Trumper. To be fair, Trumpers, back in that day, they just drove to your fucking house and told you who you were going to vote for. Yeah, that was voter fraud. That was voter fraud. Yeah, we covered Al Capone. No, that was voter fraud. Who'd you vote for? Nope. No. Okay. (laughs) Um, That's funny. That's cute. It's like justified. Like handing out blowjobs to fucking vote. Like, you vote, you get a free blowjob. <laughs> vote Shelby. So in 1951, Zwillman became one of the focuses of the Senate Kefauver Investigation Committee. This was one of the biggest events in mob history. Oh, this was this is uh, Elmer Ween. Okay, that was the you said the congressman that was running for. He was governor. Oh, oh, he was going for re-election. Yeah, he was. Well, no, he was running for the governor seat. I don't know. I know he was the favorite, and he was running for governor. Oh, oh, okay, but he didn't win then. No. Okay. Well, no, because he didn't. He didn't make the deal. He well, could have had yeah. three hundred thousand dollars and been and governor. governor. Yeah. Instead, he gets neither. Yep. Bad businessman, right get there. Nothing. He didn't even respond with violence. <laughs> so he. I mean, you just really, lost. Yep. So yeah, the call for hearings in nineteen fifty one. It was like. When eventually the government had to admit, like, organized crime is a thing and we have to do this investigation. So they went all across America having these huge Senate hearings that they would subpoena people to. And it's the Congress. You know what I mean? So you have to show up. So they even got, like, this is like Tony Accardo. Tony Accardo famously pled the fifth 170 times. Yeah, yeah. Who's the guy Uh, on the bottom left? Looks like Bella Lugosi. That's Frank Costello. Ah. He's known as the chairman of the board. So he owned, like, the most politicians of any mobster ever. Up at the top, that's Mickey Cohen. He okay. was like the L.A. mob boss. Yeah. And Virginia Hill was Bugsy Siegel's boyfriend or girlfriend. Okay. Bugsy Siegel got killed in her apartment. Yeah. So it was like they brought in all the biggest gangsters. And it's fucked up. So it was these guys like Tony Accardo has never been committed of everything in his life. And he's had to testify in front of Congress twice. Like <laughs> just when they come call, that's not the police or a judge or something you pay off. It's just like, oh, fuck, I got to go talk to the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Senate. And yeah. Just got to go handle the thing. And my man decides, he's like, fuck it. I'm showing up in shades. Like, Mr. <laughs> Accardo, you're indoors. You can take off your shades. I plead the fifth. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, that was just something you complete the fifth eye. I was like, 
fuck it, man. Let's just get on with the questions. Like, he's already been here once and beat us, motherfucker. Just start asking him questions. But anyways, really, though, man, that's a gangster-ass fucking picture right there. I love that picture. <laughs> Willman became a major focus of it, and he got subpoenaed and had to go testify. So at one point in the hearings, he admitted to bootlegging during Prohibition but claimed to now be a legitimate businessman. So, I mean, they actually asked him in the Senate hearing, they said, do you know you've been referred to as the El Capone of New Jersey? Like, why, because I'm fat? (laughs) Why, because I have a scar on my face? Oh, I wonder what his answer was to that. Why, because I like cigars? That's weird. I'm not even Italian. Yeah, that's strange. What what an odd comparison. Everything in the 50s after the Kefauver hearings kind of went downhill for Zwillman after that. So in 1956, he was arrested for tax evasion. He got out due to a deadlock jury, and the charges were eventually dropped. Oh, so he bought off enough of the uh, the jury pool, huh? Yeah. But several of his associates ended up getting arrested and charged with jury tampering for bribing juries, and now they started trying to pin a jury tampering case on him, too. Yeah. And then eventually they came up with more tax evasion charges, so they're like, okay, well, we got new ones, so we'll just charge you with the new ones. Plus, we got this jury tampering thing. So they decided to charge him with that, too. He said at one point when he was, uh, the IRS was coming that he left trunks full of money with Joe DiMaggio. Mm. Damn. Hey, Joe, remember when we were boys and it was cool? Yeah. I need you to hold something. Jesus Christ. Like, no, I was man. good at baseball, man. I never needed you to get <laughs> to get me on the team. I don't care, Joe. Here's these fucking <laughs> cases of money and shit. If you need any Damn. extra motivation. <laughs> yeah. And this was in the 50s, and you said, yeah. yeah. Mid-50s. Wow. So he's getting up there in age now. Yeah, so 1956, he would be uh, 55. Yeah. No, 52. Yeah, Mm -hmm. 52. So now he's 52 years old. The federal government began putting together a second tax evasion trial, as well as they started looking into connecting him with the jury tampering. Um, And then he got a second subpoena to go testify at the 1959 McClellan Senate Committee hearings on organized crime. So that was like the second big one. Like the Kefauver one was actually a bigger one. So now he's looking at new tax evasion charges. Plus, you know what I mean? Now he's got all these things piling up and he's getting subpoenaed up for the McClellan hearings. On February 26, 1959, he was found hanging in his 20-bedroom mansion shortly before he was set to testify at the McClellan committee. Here's his mansion. Because he ran into a problem he couldn't throw money at. The fucking federal government. Yep. Actually, their problem is you throwing money at things. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we want to talk to you about, Mr. Zwillman. Wow. Suicide, huh? Well, it was ruled a suicide. A police investigation discovered he had badly bruised wrists. That could have indicated he was bound before he was hung. Okay. There was a book that the people interviewed Lucky Luciano before he died. But Lucky Luciano died before the book came out. So a lot of people say their book is bullshit. Right. Because they can't actually run it by Lucky Luciano. Yeah. In that book, Lucky Luciano said that Zillman didn't commit suicide. They, like, hogtied him before they hung him. It was ruled a suicide. Nobody really knows. Most people believe his death was a, a murder. So there's kind of two theories. Some people think that it was ordered by Meyer Lansky, that he thought that Longy was going to cooperate okay. with all the charges building up. And then a lot of people think that it could have been Vito Genovese who killed him as retaliation for Longy not backing his move against Lucky Luciano. So Vito Genovese took over. It's now the Genovese family to this day. Yeah. He took it over from the from Lucky Luciano and he kind of muscled it out of him. So nobody really knows. Sounds and like it. So it's tough to say. 
but or he might have hung himself because he had all these cases piling up and his son well his grandson said that what he had heard from his dad was that he was really frustrated with everything that was piling up and he kind of went from living like this glamour life to all of a sudden i mean they, in they, trouble they legit the backed time. him up into a corner they backed him into a corner for sure I mean, that's a really hard one to come out of. You're either going to, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like he was going to jail for right. prison, I mean. It's tough to beat the feds, man. I've seen it in shows and movies. It's like, you know, the the locals, the the, the state the state level even, you might be able to pay off. I mean, in, in some cases, at least, like I said, in movies and on shows and books and <laughs> shit, they say. But, I mean, definitely like local county levels, you could pay that off. But the feds. They don't give a shit, man. There's somebody. They're all they're looking at is their next promotion or whatever. They don't care about how much power you got in your area, how much juice you got in your in your in your state. They don't care, and they got the ultimate power. So it's like you can't you can't fuck with a man. So I could see why he either chose to it. You know, I mean, fuck, who knows? Maybe somebody did come from him, come for him. You say, hey, make it look like I killed myself. So at least I fucking went out on my own terms. Who knows? But either way, that's an impressive body of work. He was buried at Benai Abraham Memorial Park, a Jewish cemetery in New Jersey, at a funeral attended by 1,800 people, including many celebrities. Wow. Oh, wow. They had like a Jewish ceremony and they had a rabbi, but they had an open casket, which isn't traditional for yeah. a Jewish, Jewish funeral. So that's the story of Longy's Zwillman. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. Longies Willman from tr- from Fruit Cart to Noose. <laughs> All right, so you guys haven't seen a picture yet, but if we were going to cast a movie about Longies <clears throat> Willman, who would you cast to play him? Okay, we know he's tall and he's <laughs> Russian Jewish. Yeah, that's uh, that makes it easy. He's <laughs> kind of tall and white. <laughs> I'm hmm. thinking uh, Adrian Brody or Adam Driver. Hmm. They're both tall guys. They can probably definitely. I know Adam Driver's a a popular pick nowadays, but Adrian Brody, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like I'm not a big movie guy, but I haven't seen him in shit lately. He's a good actor. Yeah, he. No, I love him as an actor. I mean, well, not love him, but I mean, you know, he's 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 a good good actor. Yeah. You really backed off that Adrian Brody claim real quick. Like, whoa, 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 man, whoa. He's the whoa. fucking shit. Man, he's okay. well, I didn't want to pretend like he was like my favorite, but right. I mean, there's been a lot of roles that I've liked him in. You know, I mean, yeah, for man, sure, yeah, he's yeah. good. Hmm. Why don't you go? Well, I, I, know I mean, you, looks I like know you know, my, but my go-to big Jewish actor is uh, Zachary Levi. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, not so much off the Shazam. I've never even seen that, but I don't know if you've seen uh, the marvelous Miss Maisel. No. His character in there. Yeah. Is kind I used of... to watch Chuck though, so I've seen him in Chuck. Uh, let's see. Man, this is a tough one. Cause your your choices are great. My picks are usually hit or miss, but I'm usually much better once I see the person. Then Rick. I can nail it <laughs> every time. Well, hey, there's a skill to that too, though. Yeah. Here we go. So I got a handful of pictures of them. Oh my bad. I, I thought you were like making a joke, but you're oh, being no. sincere. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. see. Yeah, get yeah, a Eugene Levy that. playing them. Uh, who else? Yeah, he had a distinct look. That's for sure. <laughs> that's not what I was expecting at all. There's somebody <laughs> else though. And I'm I can't put my uh, finger I'm, in it. I'm with you, man. I'm I'm I'm. There's somebody else. So if you look at the bottom picture, I think his look changed a little as he got older. That one right there is 
is it De Niro a little from the side? Yeah, from the side, yeah. That forehead kind of look. But De yeah, Niro, see, back De Niro's in the day, so small though. They would have made him. Put, yeah, well, they don't give a shit. They would just, just move put the him camera on a box. lower. Yeah, put him on an apple cart. I mean, Zachary Levi. They give him some extra, some extra eyebrows. You might be onto something there. All right. So now we got to do the DefCon scale. So standard DefCon scale is five to one. Five being the lowest, one being the highest. But the bad guy podcast is no good guys. So five would be Lou, Lee Murray, who's your drug dealing, kidnapping, bank robber. And one is the purple gang, who's got multiple gang wars, multiple massacres, and they're killing people on the streets. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the purple gang, What's up, buddy? where would you rate Longy's Willman? Five. Yeah. Yeah, he's a five. I love Longy. I love Longy almost as much as I love Tough Teddy, but I love Longy, <laughs> man. Like, I, his style, the way he did it. I mean, I'm not saying, like, you glanced over it, but I want to say from, like, 34 to mm-hmm. fuck, like, 50-something. Like, we didn't hear much. So, I mean, whatever the hell he was doing for those, that amount of time, he had it um, so fine-tuned that he was, I mean, we didn't hear shit from it. Like I said earlier, my rant about the feds. We didn't hear nothing until he got fed level, you know what I'm saying? And, I mean, that was probably because half that shit wasn't even a fucking thing back then, you know what I'm saying? So, a five only, not that I don't love my man's style and that his shit wasn't polished and he didn't have a lot of angles covered that most guys didn't even care to to take care of. But just because of there's not a lot of deaths, I mean, he wasn't sadistic, he didn't like to hurt and fucking solve everything with uh violence so five but you know a fucking badass motherfucker five is in in my opinion yeah i'm of the same mind five but it's one of those guys man that if if he wasn't in crime just his ingenuity the way that he was see angles that other people weren't seeing uh he thought big and he made these moves that other people weren't making even though the it was there but he just had that vision and uh, he's just another one of those guys that I see like, hey, if, if he would have put those attentions somewhere else, who's to say we wouldn't be talking about him in a, in a higher regard? Well, I think definitely because w- when you look at the gangster stuff that we think of, you know, most of his early crimes, they weren't like big crimes. He didn't become a criminal. He ended up a criminal. You know, right, he was right, selling yeah. lottery tickets and he got real good at it. Yeah. Well, that's illegal. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was good at transporting le- uh, liquor that everybody wanted after we cut it off. A lot yeah. of people did that. Yeah. And in uh, most of the violence we did see was in kind of defense of his neighborhood and his religion and his, you know, ethnicity yeah. and, and what was close to him. You know, you didn't see a lot of just outward violence, like looking for trouble. And yeah, I think definitely he whatever he did, he could have been real successful. Yeah. But he didn't set out to be a criminal. He set out to get some money and those ended up being crimes yeah yeah but it's like well fuck i need this money and who says it's a crime you and not only that but a lot of the people that we look at from that era that made their money quote unquote legally we don't know what happened behind closed doors you know what i'm saying like there's just I, i think there was a lot of corruption going around that was unchecked yeah and he was pretty good at staying away from being checked on it and just eventually everything kind of caught up to him. I'm sure there's more to it, but at the same time, like, you know, that, that's definitely what happened. Eras changed, times changed, focuses changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just his time, I guess they say. I think, um, like how you said, 
we didn't hear from this age to this age we didn't hear a whole lot and i think that happens you know when you look at some of these crazy gangsters like a chow hayes or a tony accardo that have these huge careers as they go into these spans where they're like and then he did this mm-hmm. he did it for about the next 15 years yeah he, he did this gambling thing and what what more can i say he did right. this for a long time so yeah now we move to 1945 mm-hmm. or whatever. What was he doing? Kind of that. You so, know, but, banging some actresses. You but know, then just... you're looking at it and you're like, okay, so what changed? His thing didn't change. The world around him changed. Right. So that made him a focus, whereas he might have been all right just doing what he was doing for a certain time. But then, you know, one thing leads to another and it leads to another person, another person, like a big – and they're always looking for, like, the bigger fish. But sometimes they have to take down guys like him mm-hmm. to get to them. He was guilty of the ultimate crime, not paying the federal government, Mm -hmm. and they fucking hate that, and that is more important than guys that were doing a lot worse than what he was doing. Exactly. But what he wasn't doing is the big one. Mm -hmm. That's paying us. That's step one. Yeah, now you're on our radar. Even the mob is part of our mob, and everybody kicks up, Mm -hmm. and we want our fucking cut. Yeah. All right, so we're going to call that a unanimous DEFCON 5. That's right. It's going to the streets. Hey, y'all, it's revolution up in this bitch. Set the alarm. DEFCON 5. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we go, you guys got anything? Again, I, I want to see a movie. Like, I mean, seriously. He may have committed suicide. He may have been murdered. I mean, you're leaving it open-ended. That's that's great right there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. I think that could be like the log line or whatever for <clears> the show. I want to see that movie. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. Like, every time we cover these guys, right, it's the next guy that you're like, I never hear of this guy. Yeah, how, yeah, exactly. How have I never seen a movie about this dude? Yeah, usually when we cover a boss, I'm like, man. And I mean, I don't know, maybe if he was, but it sound like he was a boss to me. And like you said, he had a lot of it. He had a lot of it under control. But anyways, usually when we cover a boss, I'm justifying a higher uh, DEFCON level based on the stuff we haven't heard about. But with this guy, man, he was so clean. That's what intrigues me so much. Like, I think the movie about him could actually be very interesting if you had enough side stories to go by just because of the people that he dealt with, the celebrities, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I, I mentioned that earlier, there was a big period of time where we didn't hear much about it and that could be better material for that yeah. movie. You know, like who knows what the hell he was doing in all those times. Not only was he running it, but he was hanging out with DiMaggio and the actresses and Sinatra and the Rat Pack and shit. It's like, damn. So yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd watch that flick. The last thing I wanted to do, so we used to do a lot more uh, shout outs like on our reviews and, you know, listener interaction on social media and stuff like that. Yeah. And we haven't done that lately, but just to give everybody kind of a peek behind the curtain, it's not because we're, we're not there. We there, we see it, we comment back and stuff like that. But what happened is as COVID kind of opened up and we got back to work a little bit more, I kind of recorded a lot of backlog material oh, okay. and have been kind of releasing it. So a lot of that stuff isn't able to go into them because some of the stuff has been recorded a while back makes sense i'm not gonna do that as much i'm gonna try and start recording more currently i have to find a happy balance in the two you know i I just released two episodes back to back that were talking about uh thanksgiving and christmas and shit like that like okay maybe i sat on these a little too long (laughs) (laughs) so we're getting ready to sign this declaration of independence what do you think about it guys but I, I got a couple listeners I want to give a shout out to. So one's uh, Frank Lopez from Anchorage, Alaska. He's one of our most interactive listeners on Instagram. Oh, yeah. He's always hitting us up on Instagram. So we want to give a shout out to Frank Lopez. And oddly enough, 
of all our interactive listeners, he's not even the first. He's like a second one from Alaska. So, oh wow, Alaska, Alaska fucking loves us, man. <clears throat> That's awesome. Well, you know, it's fucking Alaska. We're talking about bad guys. I mean, it's a, basically a state of half criminals anyway. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're either criminals or frontiersmen and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's like the Wild West. I mean, one week you're a bad guy, the next week you're a cop. That's yeah, what, yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you're in fucking gunslinging territory, you know? Yeah. And then we've got Sean James from New Jersey, who's another listener. When I, I gave a shout out, I said, uh, we have a t- uh, I said we have a Twitter, but we don't use it because mm-hmm. I don't really know how. But if you hit us up, we'll be forced to. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he hits us up on Twitter all the time. You just got to like with Twitter, you just got to watch who you're communicating with. And you know what I'm saying? Because Twitter can be a cesspool. It can also be a great marketing tool, and it can also be a great way to talk to people and communicate and stuff. But yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely a <laughs> there's definitely a cesspool of Twitter. We had a guy, uh, Kyle Smiley, on Twitter, and he's from Louisville, and he's hitting us up asking about like, hey, the Superman ice because we're always talking about local shit. He's like, yeah. hey, the Superman ice cream in Detroit, where's the best spot to go? Uh, that's dope. Like that. I'm like, oh yeah. To me, that's what social media is supposed to be for. Yeah. Not the bullshit. Not so that we can fucking, uh, you know, shove our political beliefs down our fucking second yeah. cousin's throat. We, didn't, we never even used to know yeah. that shit. You used yeah. to be able to sit next to somebody every day for like years and never even know who the fuck they vote for. Yeah. Now it's like the first thing they tell you. Like, yeah. who do you vote for? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Fuck all that. Last guy I wanted to shout out was uh, Bretton James from Australia, who he sent us a recommendation of someone to cover, and I was like, bet, we're going to cover him. Watch, we'll get on it. And then I started doing the research, and I'm like, oh, this is this is going to be a minute, Bretton, because uh, it's a deep cut. But, oh, really? Yeah, but we'll get to it. It's hard to find research on him? No, it's, it's, so, it's a lot of research. Oh, it's, gotcha. it's a guy that we never heard of because we're Americans. Right, right. But he's like a, a big deal okay. in Australia. So Sweet. I thought I could just kind of hit some research and put it together, you know, give it a couple weeks. And uh, I don't want to do a disservice. We don't cover that many Australians as right. it is. So this is a recommendation from an Australian. So yeah. I want to make sure I do it right. And there's a guy's kind of a big deal and there's a lot of information. I don't want to half-ass it. I mean, I could bust out the Wikipedia and read it to you guys real quick if you wanted. But, you know. Right. Yeah, I no, that's not how you do I'd it. I'd rather do a good <clears throat> job. I have a pressing question. And your research any harpoons yet? Uh, no, well, only <laughs> no. because uh, research gets uh, tough when you go back there. Well, actually, yeah. Uh, the mongrel mob. Oh, no, that's what I meant. Oh, oh damn. That's what I meant. When, oh. you're, when, you, when you're starting to dig into my man, do you come across any harpoons yet? Because the last one I had was like... That was their their weapons cache, and there was like oh. a picture of it, and it was like you know like the gangster ass picture where like all their weapons are laid yeah, out. There was like a fucking harpoon gun and shit. Fuck yes. <laughs> well, so that was in New Zealand, but yeah, well, a lot of oh, places. Oh damn it. Well, same. I mean, not same I thing. I did but that episode, but right over there, you know, New Zealand, New Zealand. Uh, I said New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> same thing. Right, hit them all. But England, from New Zealand, uh, Australia, they all, they're, like, real strict on, like, the gun rules. So it's not, you know, here we're used to, like, yeah, street gang down the street. They got four AKs, AR-15s, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tech 9s and shit. You know, these guys, they got a fucking thirty eight, a harpoon gun. And a, a sharpened fucking, bone. <laughs> and, and you better watch the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Modified shirt cannon. Well, it's and like we, peaky blinders, but they're all swinging around harpoons and shit. We talk shit, but in... Let me shoot you with a fucking harpoon and see what the fuck you got to say then. I bet you'd fall in line and pay up or whatever the fuck pretty quick. So. <laughs> Sounds, yeah. Plus, you could probably get two or three people at a time. 
if they're standing in line. Yeah, I've seen cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> I watch cartoons. I know how shit works. I know how uh, logistics and gravity and our physics work. Yeah, our government tells us shit like that works. <laughs> it went through this guy and bounced off of the dashboard and back through the back seat and back oh, through the... The old magic harpoon up theory. Up and yep. to the right. Yeah. Up and to the left or up and to the right. Who fucking knows? Either way. Well, look. I've seen Wanted. It's possible, bro. Oh, yeah. Bullets go around corners. Curve that fucker, man. <laughs> In the future. You're going to tell me Angelina Jolie can do it, but a goddamn Marine can't? But they do have those guns that Throw shoot around corners. Bullets. Those are dope. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they've... It's literally are... like a... Like the, the... Yeah, it's got like a hinge and just shoot around a yeah. corner. We're telling him like he don't know. <laughs> We're telling Locke like Locke don't know that shit. <laughs> just, you know, just feels good to mention it. <laughs> Think about it. Before we go, give him the uh the Instagram again. It's uh Oh me? Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh C A N C three R dot the dot god. <laughs> so cancer the god, but just replace the E in cancer with a C, with a uh three. It's easier it's easier to find than you made it sound. Yeah, then like, you yeah, can yeah, it really is. One it once yeah. it, it's it's not as complicated as it sounds. It's just a three instead of an E because when you search cancer, obviously I'm the seven millionth thing to pop up so just put a fucking three in it if you really can't find it you go to our website badguypodcast.com and then his uh i'm not sure where but it's on there somewhere and you can click click the link that's on the and website if, and if i lost you just google gorilla tits and it'll come up because yeah, i'm the only person that has a song called gorilla tits go cool. so go to Bandcamp. Kyle by the song cocaine jaw yeah all right this is say hello to the bad guy thanks for coming and thanks for listening Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. Pass by. I like my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. Down bad, my mama had to be dead Spent my birthdays in the trap, we had to work with what we had She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam, man. And I don't need a hundred friends, I just want a hundred bands A hundred jugs, a hundred scams, ay, ay. So I don't money, grab the hundred hams I don't money, grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge, I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Ay. And I still keep it on me, run into your big homie. First you meet your dead homie, ay. yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. Pass by. I like my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy.
hello to the bad guy. Good guy, come at last place. Smell the dope when I pass by.